630 Chad presents The Elks This Week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game. From the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Good Saturday morning to you and welcome to the new time slot for the Elks this week. We'll be coming at you every Saturday morning during the offseason at 9.30 to talk about the latest developments of the Edmonton Elks offseason. We'll have some feature interviews and we'll talk a lot with Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott as we make our way through the offseason and get set for the 2023 season, which is a season that has a little bit of hope for the Edmonton Elks after a, a, a finish that wasn't strong in the win-loss column but had a lot of players uh, making an impact. A lot of players uh, giving you that hope that uh, you'd like to see them in a full season. Guys like uh, Dylan Mitchell, guys like Kevin Brown and the continued development of Taylor Cornelius, uh, Enoch McConzo on the defensive side of the ball. Lots to look forward to. Hopefully uh, Chris Jones who will be very busy this offseason will be able to make the right additions to supplement the players that we saw step up and play better a lot this year. The season ended 4-14, four and 14. obviously that's not good enough, especially when you don't win a game on home field all season. It ended with a 31-14 loss to the BC Lions a week ago Friday. Uh, then, a week ago today, it was locker cleanup day at Commonwealth, and head coach and general manager Chris Jones talked about what went wrong this year, but mostly he talked about what it's going to take to fix it. I can tell you this, there's not going to be a stone that's not unturned. Uh, we're going to turn over a lot of rocks. We're going to work as hard as humanly possible to make sure that uh, the roster that we put together and the, the squad that we put together next year uh, puts us in a position to do uh, something a lot different than what we did this year. I feel like we've got some young guys that uh, that really did some good things, you know, 4, 17, 60. I mean, you can keep going. Uh, you know, 43. I mean, there's a whole lot of guys that, that that did some some really good things, you know. Uh, so we feel good about about our draft class last year. We feel good about some of the uh, the rookies that we brought in uh, around the midseason mark. Uh, now what we've got, and, and quite honestly, we've got a, a staple group of high high character veterans in that room as well. So now we've got to uh, do a couple things. We've got to have a good free agency. I don't think we'll be as active in free agency as what we were a year ago. Uh, we've got to have a, a, a great draft, and then we've, like I say, we're already hitting the ground running on the uh, on the U.S. side of things, uh, going to some places to see some people, evaluating uh, with PFF, and doing everything necessary to try to put together our roster. You mentioned free agency. You're talking, most people think February free agency. What about between now and then, and your own guys? I imagine you got like everybody else, a lot of guys on one-year deals that are yeah. Up now, do you feel confident you can bring the guys you want? And you need back. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel confident with the uh, the biggest biggest uh, you know group of our guys that are available. Again, we're gonna. I'm talking to the players right now, doing exit interviews. Been in those about four hours this morning. Probably got about another four hours left today and tomorrow, and then uh, staff the next two days. And then once we get the staff, uh, you know, talked to and in place, then we can start putting together what we feel like the guys that we're going to move forward with uh, the next year. We've got to kind of compartmentalize, you know, where we feel like we need the uh, the biggest adjustments on our roster. So certainly we've got to. Uh, to go with and attack that area the the hardest. Um, 
you know, I'm starting at the lower levels. Uh, we've got two two new leagues, as uh, as I've mentioned before, that are very viable options for U.S. players, and uh, and we've got to do a great job of, of not just scouting like we normally have the the larger divisions, but we're going to have to drop back and look at the one double A's, the Division twos, the NAIs. We're going to have to know everybody that plays football in the states in order to keep up with uh, where we need to be. Sounds like you got to scout and recruit. There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's uh, we've uh, we've got to kind of. I told the staff. I said it's kind of like when we were coaching one double A football at Tennessee Tech years ago. We've got to we've got to have our coaches uh, with their ears and eyes to the ground and and trying to help find the players, especially in their positions. And then uh, and then it'll be up to me to go out and actually put eyes on these guys. We're we're already well into what we're going to do in the off season, and uh, I've got to, I've got to do a great job with these exit interviews and and uh, make sure that I spend my necessary time with all these guys because they mean a lot to me. Uh, staff means a lot to me, so I've got to spend my proper time with them. So for the next uh, the next three days after today, I've got to spend that time, and then it's I'm off and running. What are those interviews like with the players? What do you what do you expect to get out of those interviews uh, as you approach it? Well, here, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you know, because quite honestly, you want guys that want to be here. Number one, you know, that want to be part of the solution, and and um, and so we're gonna, you know, try to get to the bottom of each one and find out where their mind is. And you know, you got young guys that that. Uh, they're just happy to be here, that type of thing, you know. But it's more so the the older guys that aren't from necessarily from this area. You want to make sure that they they want to be part of the uh, the grounding solution of what uh, to get things fixed. It was really a year of growth for quarterback Taylor Cornelius. He did not have a good training camp. Spent the first five weeks of the season on the sidelines watching. Then, because of injuries, he got an opportunity to play, and he took advantage of it. He soon became the number one quarterback and the go-to guy at the pivot spot for the Elks. Also earned a two-year contract extension in that time as well. And for the first time in a while, he'll come back to a training camp next year with the Elks as the starting quarterback. The last time I got to do that was you know my senior year of college uh, going into a season knowing I was going to be the guy um, and just you know having a sense of confidence and, and knowing who's going to be here and knowing that the team's behind me and the GM's behind me and the coaches are behind me and uh, you know give us some sort of you know something to lean on some security. From the end of season last year to end of season this year how much personally have, have you grown on and off the football field? Yeah, a whole bunch. Um, you know, last year was uh, a wild year. You know, I think we all grew from that. Um, but this year, too, you know, getting humbled a little bit and, uh, you know, sitting out for five weeks straight, uh, not getting any snaps, um, and then going into the starting role and then playing and finishing out the season. Uh, you know, you, you don't ever want to take anything for granted. You have a bigger appreciation for, for the game itself. Cornelius, by the way, on the road to recovery after spleen surgery that cost him the final game of the year. Uh, he will be pretty quiet for six weeks or so, but then he'll get back to training and will be ready for the start of training camp. There's Cornelius, takes the drop, looks and throws, and he's going deep, looking for Dylan Mitchell down the field. He's 
got it, and walks the dog to the end zone. Touchdown, Alex. And the ball's going up the middle to Brown. Oh, man, he gets around the corner to the 30. He gets to the 35, the 40, the 45. Still on his feet across uh, midfield. Uh, uh, he okay. fumbles the ball, but it's it okay. goes out of bounds on the play. What a huge run again by Kevin Brown. All right, let's get to the Elks news of the week. And the news this week involves the two players you just heard highlights from. Dylan Mitchell and Kevin Brown. Both came in midway through the season and both made an incredible uh, mark on the team. Both a huge spark plug to the Elks offense. Mitchell signs a three-year contract extension after putting up 637 yards in eight starts at receiver. That works out to about 1,400 in a full season. Kevin Brown, also a contract extension for two years. He came in and started seven games at running back, 486 rushing yards. That works out to about 1,200 yards over an 18-game season. He also had 176 yards through the year. So two big key signings for the Elks, inking Dylan Mitchell and Kevin Brown to multi-year contracts. Cornelius now in trouble again. Can he get away? Yes, he does. Will he run? No, he's going to throw and he's going to go deep downfield. And it is complete to the 20-yard line. Kenny Lawler's got another one. Cornelius is going deep. He's got Kenny Lawler. Oh, my goodness, he's got another one. How does he keep doing it? Up into the air and down he comes with it inside the five-yard line. Kenny Lawler's a machine tonight. What a season it was for Kenny Lawler with the Edmonton Elks. He only played 12 games because of injury, but still put up 894 yards and five touchdowns. He made several spectacular catches throughout the season. No surprise, really, that Lawler was named this week the Elks' most outstanding player as the team award winners were announced. The rest of the winners... Jake Ceresna is the top defensive player, also playing just 12 games this year. He made the most of them, 10 sacks in those 12 games. Top Canadian was Adam Konar. Offensive lineman of the year was Mark Cordy. The rookie of the year was Kevin Brown. And the Elks special teams player of the year was Christian Salisbury. And one more player nominee to talk about, and that's the Elks nominee for the Jake Kadar Veterans Award. That's an award that's handed out to a Canadian player every season who demonstrates the attributes of Canadian veterans. Every team nominates a player, the Elks nominee, Lacombe's very own Tanner Green. Coming up next, we'll check in with Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott. We'll look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023. This is the Elks This Week on 630 Chet. More football talk on the Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. We're back on the Elks this week. Morley Scott in on a Saturday morning. And uh, get used to us at this time on Saturdays. We'll be here all uh, off-season long on Saturday mornings, giving you the latest news on the Edmonton Elks. Right now, we're going to kick around the 2022 season and look ahead to 2023. And we're going to do that via the old round table as we welcome in uh, two guys who work with me on the broadcasts uh, every week, uh, Dave Campbell, color analyst, and Blake Dermott, our inside the game analyst. Guys, I want to get your take on this week. For me, it feels weird because the Elks have the bye week. They had their season's over. They had locker cleanup day, but the regular season's not over yet. And it's just kind of some weird vibes for me this week. Yeah, this uh, I would agree with that. The uh, I've never had a football season end this early, and, and going all the way back to my high school days. Just this is too early to, for, for for football to end. The, the season should be going to at least the beginning of November. You know, considering last year, their last game, the Elks' last game was in Vancouver on November nineteenth. Of course, they pushed the season back to, you know, to to get as many weeks and many games in as possible. But I mean, we were doing garbage bag day on November twenty first, and the last game is October 21st and uh, 
twenty second, it's you know, it's all done. It's weird. It's a strange feeling to be done before Halloween and you know, honestly, I feel a bit lost this week, <laughs> which I usually feel anyway after a season, but it's so strange to be done this early. You mentioned Garbage Bag Day last year, Dave. Of course, they had Garbage Bag Day. I believe it was on a Sunday, and then on Monday, everybody who talked on Garbage Bag Day got fired. And uh, they, you know, with the with the house cleaning. Uh, let's uh, start with you, Dave. From where they were at that point last year to where they are at this point this year, still no playoffs. One more win in a longer season. Uh, has the team progressed? Are they a little further ahead now? Well, you know, considering when when Chris Jones was hired, and I did mention this that. It was exciting. I do trust in in his ability to build a football team and build a staff to build a winning football team. But when he took over the the team from Cavis Reed in 2013, he had assumed a, or, or, or brought you know basically took over a core. There was a core there with with Riley, with Darius Bowman, with J.C. Sherrod, with Odell Willis, and and so many others. He didn't really have that. He dismantled this team, uh, you know, right down to the studs. And I know you jokingly said to me, you know, partway through the season, Marley, no, I think he took away a few studs. Um, and to have a 4-14 four and 14 season is disappointing. One win better, you know, is that really progress? But I think what he does have going forward is he has a core that he can identify that he can build with. And I think that's the, the win for this season where, you know, we're partway through the year, you know, I'm thinking about that game against the Red Blacks at home and I'm still going, well, you know, where are the players that we can identify that he can build with? And then they started to show up with Dylan Mitchell and Kevin Brown and Enoch McConzo and, you know, with and some others as well, you know, Christian Salisbury. So I think that's the win for me is that he does have a core he can build around. It is somewhat young, but I think, you know what, you have to start, you have to start young to build uh, long-term success and, and, and year-to-year success. Blake, there's there's optimism and there's hope for next year, but I think don't we have to temper that a little bit because as much as we like watching Kevin Brown and Dylan Mitchell and the pro- progress of uh, Taylor Cornelius and all the other guys who have kind of made their mark, especially in the second half of the season, it seems to me there's probably still a long way to go to make this team a real competitive team. Yeah, if you if if you don't go into this next season with tempered optimism, then I don't think you're being realistic. You know, it's just they uh, they as Dave said, they did have some really good pieces and cornerstones like a Jake Ceresna, uh, you know, uh, Adam Konar. There there is some guys that you can build on, and and I think there's some some pieces that look pretty nice. But the big thing was youth and uh, and the ability to keep healthy. Uh, so those are the things that they really have to emphasize next year and. And I think that, you know, once guys get a feel for, you know, being around each other, the changes have to have to stop. I, I don't know if I don't know if uh, we're going to see 103 players on the roster next season, um, but uh, it has to get to a point where he's going to find the guys that he wants and he's going to go with them. But I mean, Chris Jones has been historically not been afraid to make changes in games. So I don't know if that's ever going to stop. But but I think the continuity has got to be a lot better next year. We did see a little more of that at the end of the year. He kind of slowed down with the changes, especially as players started playing better and making their marks. But he's got to add some guys to it. There's no doubt about it. And and Chris Jones, historically as well, has had a pretty good team the second year he takes over. Uh, I know 
he had a head start in Edmonton uh, when he came in 2014, but he won the Grey Cup in 2015. 2016 in Saskatchewan was an absolute disaster, uh, but uh, in 2017, uh, they were the crossover team and went to the Eastern Conference Final. They won 10 games that year in the regular season. So if that trend continues, I think everybody will be happy, but I don't, I think, I don't know what it was like in Saskatchewan, but obviously he's further ahead, Blake, uh, in Edmonton in 14 and 15 than he is this year, but there's that opportunity to make some growth if you can if you can add the right players. Yeah, I think that the there still is some huge uh, uh, growth that has to be made in, in the key positions, like uh, 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 you know the linebacker position, middle linebacker. They've got to have somebody that can play and be healthy. And I think the quarterbacking is still not at an elite level right now. With and although been huge strides, and, uh, Trey Ford being added this year gives a future, uh, makes the future look bright. But Cornelius has to be better. He can't be a career fifty-five to sixty percent uh, completion if he wants to. If this team wants to get to the next level, they got you know. You look at the guys that have the good quarterbacks. Those are guys that are in that high, mid to high sixties in completion percentage, and and he has to get there. And and with that comes an awful lot of uh, uh, growth from other people like his receivers. And you can't have an offensive line that gave up 60 sacks in a year as well either. You know, that offensive line has to be better. So there's, you're right. There's an awful lot of areas that this team has to get better. But but having at least one year under your belt is going to help them. Dave, uh, on our uh, final broadcast of the year, Chris Jones uh, made mention that uh, he wasn't going to sleep and they were going to turn over every rock to find the players uh, that uh, will make this team better. Uh, I don't think he was fooling around when he said that because uh, he's already left Edmonton, left Edmonton midweek this week, and I'm guessing this weekend he's in the States and he is scouting players, whether it be Div 1, Div 2, or whatever the case may be. Uh, he's already out there looking for players, and I that is one of his strong suits is finding talented players. Uh, the CFL is littered with players that Chris Jones brought, and and most of them are pretty good players too. And I think that is one of the strong suits that we're going to see from him this offseason with, uh, with his recruiting skills and his chance to identify talent. Yeah, he had a classic line, I thought, uh, gar on Garbage Bag Day. He was asked, how does Chris Jones decompress? And he said, I don't know what that is. Winning is decompressing to me. And, um, you know, he's he's out already scouting. And um, that's just the way he is. And, you know, the way they're scouting, too, is uh, with the XFL and with the USFL, they're combing Division One big time in the big schools. And let's face it, when you're an American player, you want to stay home, right? You don't necessarily want to come up to Canada, even though that's a good option. But the competition for talent is just gets more fierce. And, yeah, I mean, you got to look at, you know, the, the lower levels, Div 2, Div 3 of, um, of NCAA, NAIA, um, you know, FCS, you, you just, that's where you need to go. And, and uh, you can still look at Div 1 a little bit, but uh, the competition's fierce. And, you know, the way that they're, they're scouting players, it's, it's more of a focused scouting, um, you know, program where it's not like let's show up in somewhere in Texas and hope, you know, 40 guys show up. I mean, they have software that shows them there's someone in this specific location that we're going to go see and scout. We're going to scout four players. We're going to scout two players. So, you know, it, it, I'm not surprised Chris Jones is, is out there already because that's just the, the competitive nature. And there's going to be pressure on this organization to to start winning next year, especially, you know, win at home, win period, you know. And uh, he's not resting on his laurels, that's for sure. And he never does. 
That's Dave Campbell along with Blake Dermott. My thanks to them for taking part in the roundtable this morning and talking about the 2022 season and mostly looking ahead to 2023. All the Elks news will come your way every Saturday morning. This is the new time slot for the off-season show for the Elks this week, Saturday mornings at 9.30. I look forward to talking to you all throughout uh, the off-season, except next week. Next week, I'm off. Dave Campbell will be in the chair hosting the show next week. It's a weird finish to the Canadian Football League season for the Edmonton Elks and their fans. The Elks are done. They've got the bye week this week. Their season is over. They won't make the playoffs. We know that story. Uh, Now we sit back and watch the three games that wrap up the regular season today. Montreal is at Toronto. Hamilton is at Ottawa. And Saskatchewan is at Calgary. A triple header to wrap up the 2022 regular season. And then the playoffs begin. Of course, the playoffs are set in both the East and the Western Conference. In the East, Hamilton is at Montreal. The winner of that game will move on to play Toronto in the Eastern Final. And in the West, the uh, BC Lions will play host to the Calgary Stampeders in the West Semifinal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers waiting for the winner, of course... Two winners of the finals will meet in Regina for the Grey Cup on November the 20th. Thanks for listening this morning. My name's Morley Scott. We'll catch you next time on the Elks This Week.